0: Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long term retirement goals.
1: Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Just want you to know that you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at com. You can go there to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process as well with Josh. His number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. How are you doing today, Josh?
2: I'm doing well. How are you, Diane?
1: I am well. So I hear you were house hunting for the mom.
2: I was. I'm trying to get my mom a little closer to my side of town, and what a crazy market that it is. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable how little supply there is in the market and how crazy the demand is and how much over-asking some houses are going for. I, I knew that to be the case, but you don't truly recognize how significant it is until you you know, touch your toes in the pool a little bit, and it's It's a crazy market out there, and I know you know that better than any of us.
1: Yeah, it's happening all over the country, that's for sure. But yeah, you hear about it, then when it personally affects you, then it definitely hits home, it is competitive out there. Well, let's start, uh, I was looking at an article, it was it was talking about the common rules of thumb for retirement planning, and there are four of them. So I'm just gonna run them by you and just get your get your reaction. So the first one is that you will need 80% of your pre-retirement income to live on when you retire.
2: I hear this all the time, and I, I think that it's well-intentioned. Uh, I think the concept of it is if you think about you know, in general, uh, my gross income is one number, and then you take out uh, taxes, social security, payroll taxes, maybe the money that I contribute to my 401k, et cetera, and then you add some sort of premium for maybe the increased medical cost, and you land at 80%. So sure, it's a rule of thumb, but I can tell you almost unequivocally that I very rarely see that people need 80% of their Pre-retirement income to live on in retirement it's just a, a rule of thumb. I think you know the better way to approach it, particularly in you know today's day and age with the economy where it is with low interest rates, the, the, the looming dangers of uh, potential increases in inflation, which we really haven't had to deal with in the last you know, 20, 30 years, when there's some worry out there about social security and all these different factors that are hitting us today, a better way to approach it is what do I actually need to pay for not 80% of my pre-retirement income, but what am I living on today? What's actually hitting my checking account today? After I contribute to my 401k and I pay my taxes and I do all those things, what is actually hitting my account today? What are my bills today? And then how much money do I have left over at the end of each month? And if I look at that and say I'm living pretty well, what's going to change in retirement? So is my house going to be paid off? Will I no longer have a car payment? Do I envision that changing? Um, Are my costs of insurance going to go up or down? And you start working off of that number. But the easiest way is, what hits my checking account every two weeks? Multiply that out for the year. Deduct what you know your expenses are. Are you living well today? And then build from that, rather than this arbitrary 80% of my pre-retirement income. It just seems like such an arbitrary, ridiculous number. Uh there are no magic numbers. You have to actually do some some investigation
1: so rule number two uh is that the magic retirement age is sixty five
2: yeah I don't know why this has become a particularly magic number. Um, I think it probably has to do with the fact that uh you qualify for Medicare health insurance benefits when you're sixty five and and certainly one of the biggest hurdles for people when they retire is where am I going to get my health insurance but it is seemingly turned into this magic number i either hear 65 or 66 repetitively and i think that number 65 is because of health insurance and i think that it's 66 because most people who are really close to retirement their full retirement age according to social security is usually around 66 in the worst case scenario 67 but it's important to note that these are just numbers so just because they say your full retirement age, and by they, I mean, the government says your full retirement age is age 66 or 65. That doesn't mean you have to retire at 65 or that there's no additional benefit for retiring at 67, 68, et Matter of fact, for most people, it's a, uh, very significant increase to your social security, uh, upwards of 32% more. If you wait until you're 70 to collect your social security. Now that can be a huge shot in the arm in the way of, uh, You know, cash flow increase. So rather than create this arbitrary number, figure out what makes the most sense for you. This money's going to have to last the rest of your life. So longevity comes into play, et cetera. So it's just a rule of thumb. It is not a definitive number. We have to do far more investigation than that, much like the 80% rule of the question before, Diane.
1: It's always individual to the person. Uh, Yeah. 4% rule.
2: Yeah, this one actually is rooted in a little bit more factual data. So the four percent rule is the is uh, essentially this: if you have your investments uh, in sixty percent stock type investments and forty percent bond type investments, this would be considered kind of a balanced or moderate portfolio. That if you only withdraw four percent per year, and your retirement is roughly twenty five years, so you retire at sixty five and you live into your you know till you're ninety then you can adjust for inflation and not worry about running out of money if you withdraw 4% out of your retirement savings. Now, there's some challenges there, Diane, and why it's considered a rule of thumb up to this point is there's a significant amount of debate amongst academia as to whether or not this holds true today. And I'm not suggesting that you can't withdraw 4% out of your retirement savings. What I am suggesting and what academia is suggesting is that the old... 40% in bonds piece holds some challenges. Interest rates are incredibly low right now, which is not a great place for them to be in the way of bonds doing well. So the challenge here that people are going to have moving forward is not only are we on the cusp of having increased inflation over the next X amount of years because of all the stimulus spending, not only do we have a lot of pressure on our entitlement plans like Medicare, the cost of insurance going up, uh, how will Social Security you know, keep up with inflation, et cetera? But we also have these incredibly low interest rates, which make getting a guaranteed uh, level of return to s- kind of balance out our stock portfolios is in a very difficult spot. So uh, the old adage of 60-40 withdraw 4% uh, might not be the best way to handle things today. That does not mean, though, Diane, there are not other alternatives. We talk about them in my office literally every day. And I highly encourage people to reach out. We'll show you some options that will provide more guarantees than the bond market and still provide uh, hedges against inflation uh, in the long run.
1: And we're going to take people through the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process. This is what you take them through uh, when you first meet. We're going to go through that process in just a minute here. One of the other rules of thumb that is out there is that uh, the idea that 100 minus your age is going to tell you how much to invest in stocks.
2: Yeah, always, the one thing that was always confusing to me is why don't they just say uh, the amount, just take your age and that's the amount you should have in safe stuff. But <laughs> I guess they want to give you a bigger a bigger math problem. You know, good rule of thumb. Uh, the general concept here is the older that you get, the less volatility, i.e. risk via stocks you can take. So you should start to tear back your risk, which is really, I don't even like the level of risk because who wants to take a bunch of risk, right? What we're really talking about is Volatility, as it relates to time, the amount of bounce in your money, or the amount of drops that you can afford to take in the long run, is relative to your age to some capacity. The problem with that is, let's say that I'm worth ten million dollars. It would be nice, but let's say I'm worth ten million dollars. Well,
1: you just got and... better looking, Josh. You just got yeah. Better I'm looking. sure. I'm sure
2: I did. And uh, I'm 90 years old. Uh, you still 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 like not quite as cute, and... but <laughs> all right. So I'm 90 years old. And I live on $30,000 a year. Suffice it to say, I can take quite a bit of risk, and it's not going to damage the long-term viability of my plan. When we're talking about this rule, what we're really talking about is we have to start reducing our risk as we get older. But I do not like this. It's a rule of thumb. It's a good gauge. It means well, like all the other rules of thumb. It points us in the right direction, but it is never an end-all, be-all definition that applies
1: to everyone. Everybody is different, and it's a matter of looking at everyone's different situation, which is what you do when you meet clients for the first time.
2: As I meet with clients the first time, we call it our discovery meeting, and it's just that. I just want to figure out what is it you're trying to accomplish? What are you currently doing to reach those goals? Meaning, how much are you saving into your 401k or IRAs or whatever savings vehicles you're using? And how much do you have in all of these investments? Uh, Can we anticipate inheritance or a windfall from the sale of a property, et cetera. Everything we can possibly learn about you and what does retirement look like for you, including family longevity and all these different things. And then in meeting number two, we're going to analyze that data. And by analyzing it, we're going to find out, does your arrow hit your retirement target? Not a rule of thumb, but your retirement target. How much risk are you currently taking to achieve that? Are you comfortable with that? And is it a viable amount of risk? or does it put you at too much risk uh, to end up hitting the target? What is the variance that could occur? Uh, what if you know, you're married and one of you passes away? Is the other uh, adequately provided for, or do we need to fill that gap? And then in meeting number three, we do just that. We show you how to handle all of those potential gaps that are identified in meeting number two, what adjustments can be made. We call it our blueprint meeting. We do that very purposefully because we will give you a blueprint on the exact actionable items to take in order to improve your situation and, and add more solidarity to your equation. And then not until meeting number four, which is our implementation meeting, when we decide, is this a mutually beneficial uh, situation? Should we both move forward? Obviously, you know financial planning and uh, your retirement should be a long uh, relationship, and we wanna make sure that we don't enter into that foolishly and that this is a good fit. So the only thing I can guarantee through this whole process is you'll learn a lot and we'll decide whether or not we're a good fit for one another by the end of it.
1: Is there a minimum that people need to invest or? Yeah, that's a
2: great question. It, there is no particular minimum in general in investing. However, in my office, the way that we invest, we cannot make a substantially significant benefit to a client until their investable assets really reaches about 250000 or more. Until we hit that level, we're just, our hands are too tied with the investments that we can utilize to adequately diversify risk, provide income, all the things that we talk about on this show. Until we hit that level, it's very, very difficult to make a significant impact on your life.
1: You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick. Josh's number to schedule your own Aptus Retirement Blueprint process is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley Mondays at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. The recording you can always find at AptisWealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back.
0: If you're concerned about the market and you want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today at 614-364-7300. There's no cost or obligation, but space fills fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
3: 7300 or visit aptiswealth.com thanks for
0: listening to the aptis retirement blueprint radio show with josh pick to schedule your complimentary customized planning session give josh a call at 614-364-7300 that's 614-364-7300
1: you're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. That's 614 364 7300. Josh, how can people best prepare their portfolios if there's a big tax hike on capital gains in the near future?
2: Yeah, so the capital gains thing, um, you know, Biden has come out and said that he wants to. Eliminate or effectively take for certain Americans, those making a million dollars a year or more, he wants to take the capital gains rate up to ordinary income tax. So, for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, currently the top tax rate on capital gains is 20%. So, if you're worth, you know, $50 million and you're making $5 million a year, you're only paying 20% in taxes on that. However, if it was not a capital gain, which means it's coming from stocks, bonds, real estate, et cetera, uh, through the sale of an asset, you would pay 39.6% in re- regular ordinary income taxes. So what he's proposing effectively is that your capital gains rate for certain Americans, and obviously, as I say, there's, you know, it's for people making a million dollars a year or more, but I'll, I'll cover instances where that could affect people that you're probably not thinking of right now, Um, It would effectively double the tax rate. So what would this affect? Let's say that uh, you bought a stock, and that stock uh, you bought for $10 a share, and it goes up to $20 a share. Let's say it goes up to $100 a share. You really knock the cover off the ball, and you go to sell that stock. Well, if it's a significant increase, you could end up, rather than paying 20%, you could pay 39.6. And you'd say, yeah, but you'd have to make a million dollars. Well, the other thing that's kind of in tandem that you didn't ask about, Diane, but it's in tandem with this is he's also saying that he'd like to eliminate the step-up in basis. And for those of you who don't know what the step-up in basis is, what that means is I buy a stock for $10 a share, it grows to $20 a share. If I sell that stock while I'm alive, I have to pay the difference between what I paid for it, $10, what I sell it for, $20. And there's some, you know, here argument as to whether or not I'll pay 15%, 20%, or maybe 40% on that gain. But as it exists today, if I'm to die with that stock, my beneficiaries get something called a step up in basis, which means their new basis is 20. So they get to sell it for 20, not pay any taxes whatsoever. He is proposing to eliminate that. And the argument is that, uh, sure, we're creating these, you know, kind of dynasty wealth scenarios. If you have you know, fifty million dollars of a stock that pays for a four percent dividend just don't sell it generation over generation, and we're living off a four percent off of fifty million, and that fifty million is growing, and yeah, yes, shy of estate taxes. But yes, we all win. but step up and basis also applies to things like farmland. So now here we are saying we want to really uh, stick it to these millionaires, but let's say that you bought a bunch of farmland that's been in your family for the last 200 years and you bought this farmland for $200,000. Well, value farmland is certainly appreciated here in Ohio quite significantly. And now your farmland is worth $2 million and you pass away and you leave it to your kids and there's no step up in basis. Well, that's a $1.8 million gain. If they get no step up in basis, your kids now have a tax bill on $1.8 million, which in the past would be 20% but not anymore now it could be 39.6 so all of a sudden we're not talking about you know uh, ultra you know 15 million dollar a year earners we're talking about somebody who is a farmer that has farmed land for generation after generation passes it on to the next generation and on that example that i just gave what's 40 percent on roughly two million dollars well it's almost you know in this scenario that i gave you it's almost eight hundred thousand dollars where are the beneficiaries gonna get the money to pay for the $800,000? They will probably have to sell that farmland. Is that what we really wanna do in the United States is take farms away from farmers who have farmed that land for generations? Probably not, but that's a just one example of the baby that could be thrown out with the bathwater. So what can we do to protect ourselves? Well, it may point us in a direction, not talking about farmland, but it may point us in a direction where we would like to start doing more tax-deferred investments, investments that are more tax-favorable. If we're getting taxed 40% on the gains, things like annuities, life insurance start to become a heck of a lot more attractive. We start thinking about things like how can we do tax shelters and trusts and how can we protect ourselves against this potential you know, losing out on 40% of what we've worked so hard to create, it going immediately to the tax man. So. Ultimately, we have to be more vigilant about planning because it's very possible that 40% of what you built your entire life creating could just go poof right out the door. And we haven't even gotten to the potential of the lowering of the estate tax realm. So there's a there's definitely an attack happening right now on those who have worked incredibly hard their entire lives played by the rules, saved, deferred gratification today by not buying the fancy, shiny thing to build a net worth that's significant, to help hopefully prepare for their own retirement, maybe prepare for future generations, pass on assets. Those people are more under attack now than they have been over the last 25 years. So it just means that we have to focus more and more on planning today than we have over the last 10 or 20 years.
1: Are we certain that this is going to get passed, that this is going to happen?
2: Uh, we're certainly not definitely in a scenario where it's going to get approved, but I think it shows that we're heading in a direction where we're going to start. The water is hitting the sand on the beach, and over time it will start to grab a hold. Do I think that he's going to get it raised to 39.6? I do not. Do I think that the removal of the step-up and basis is going to get uh, carte blanche removed? I do not. Do I think that there will be concessions to move in that direction? Yes, Do I think that we have a Congress that will allow some of this to get approved? Uh, Yes. So I think it's going to start shifting more in that direction. It's not going to get approved in its totality, but to whatever end it gets approved, it's already starting that process of heading that direction. So we have to be in a position where we're protected against it sooner rather than later. No different than thinking about, you know, the potential impact of long-term care or any of the things that are down the line that we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but we can see trends heading in that direction. We better take it into account.
1: You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session, to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Pandemic, Josh, hasn't been fun for just about anyone, aside from Elon Musk. But for those who've been able to put more money away during COVID, how can they maximize their their, uh, newly bolstered balance and their savings?
2: I don't know. 2020 was pretty awesome for Elon Musk, but it doesn't seem like his, uh, his Saturday Night Live thing really fared <laughs> too well for him. It seems like he's getting some blowback for that, justified or not. Um, you know, a lot of things have – let's address number one. Although COVID uh, certainly was responsible for a huge decline in the market back in March and April, um, there's no doubt that it's shot up like a rocket ship since then. Um, a lot of volatility, but it's been – Quite re- uh, remarkable, uh, how high we are in the last twelve months, so for those of you who have been able to kind of squirrel some money away or have had the fortitude to in and, and the fortunate of either having a job or already being retired to be able to dump some money into the market it's certainly proved uh, awesome for you over the last you know twelve months, but you know how can they maximize the balance in their savings I think was the question that you that you asked and that is we've had a heck of a ride um, and maybe through that ride you got through of it in spite of yourself meaning you were working you were way too invested in the stock market you're only a year away from retirement Uh, it crashed and now it shot up like a rocket ship and good for you you got out of jail free you know you you passed go and you didn't hit jail so that's great But now is a time where maybe we need to evaluate that. Now, am I suggesting that, you know, the next crash is right around the corner and we better move all our money to cash? Of course not. But now is a great time to start thinking about rebalancing, being vigilant about your planning, and making sure we're on the right path. Um, Now is a time to start really reevaluating where you are. But it's also a time to start coming up with a plan for moving forward on future investments. You know, how should I handle that? There's been a lot of great things that have happened shy of you know us being trapped. And I can tell you all the negative things too. But from a financial perspective, if you kept your job, you're probably doing better today than you were a year ago. But now is the time to make sure that you don't take a step backwards from where you are.
1: Manage navigating all of this change, pandemics, uh, cycles in the stock market. I mean, it all goes to show you, do a lot of people just want to manage this themselves? I mean, the need for a financial advisor seems so necessary.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly people on all sides of the spectrum. I mean, you have uh, people who just want to say, I, I don't want to know any about anything about this. Um, just just handle it for me, uh, which isn't quite allowable, I don't think. I think you need to know a little bit, um, but that part of my responsibility is to teach you that little bit so that we're on the same page and you're investing in things that you understand. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have people that want do it, to do it themselves. But I think the real answer, the best relationship that you can have is people who take an active interest in their financial situation, but at the same time recognize that unless they turn it into a full-time job, there's no possible way that they can know about all the changes as they ha- happen dynamically in the market. So I'm a trusted advisor. I'm somebody that we can talk We can talk back and forth, bounce ideas off of one another, and find the correct solution for them. Hopefully, uh, most of my clients would agree, That this is a very you know symbiotic relationship that enhances their position uh, rather than just takes it over, Uh, because that's not that's not the right approach necessarily either.
1: You mentioned the Elon Musk Saturday Night Live thing. So I I was out with friends and uh, you know one started saying, oh my gosh, my because did it have to do with Bitcoin? I didn't see it, but something to do with Deutsche Coin or. Bitcoin or you know
2: full disclosure i i haven't i haven't watched it yet um i just saw there's been it seems like a lot of backlash uh on elon musk's uh you know Saturday night live hosting skit I, I don't even know what it's about well i think they but froze taken taking, taking some heat
1: yeah so some of the bit, one of the bitcoin equivalents froze the accounts and my friend had some money invested in that but anyway got us onto a conversation about she's like i should have bought more and i'm like well are you invested in anything else and she's like no so i was just like you know what you have to do the three-legged stool approach. Anyways, I was repeating everything you. you said, Josh, yeah. so I might have a client for you. Anyway.
2: Good, good for you. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so true today. I'm, I'm hearing more and more about what seems to me to be gambling rather than investing. And somehow uh, people are starting to believe that they're synonymous, and they certainly are not.
1: To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process with Josh, his phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh. He talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer for Money Mondays. You can catch that recording, in case you miss it, at AptusWealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show.
0: If you're concerned about the market and you want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today at 614-364-7300. There's no cost or obligation, but space fills fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
3: 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com thanks for listening to the aptus
0: retirement blueprint radio show with josh pick to schedule your complimentary customized planning session give josh a call at 614-364-7300 that's 614-364-7300
1: Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session with Josh, if you'd like to learn new strategies to manage risk, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, well, some of us have done a good job of saving during the pandemic, how has the concept of saving become more difficult over recent years?
2: Well, it's certainly gotten more difficult and it's it's definitely harder to navigate and less things are guaranteed. So let's think about the layout of the the lay of the land in the last 30 years. You know, 30 years ago, about 90%, you know, 9 out of 10 people had a pension. Today, less than 1 out of 10 had a pension. So obviously that's put a lot more in your court to try and navigate. We've gone from these defined benefit pension plans to defined contribution 401K, 403B plans. So just in that alone, over the last 20, 30 years, you have had to learn not just, well, when I retire, here's my number, I'm gonna get this per month if I work this amount of time. You have now had to figure out, I have to pick my investment portfolio, learn how to adjust it over time, pick the right funds out of all these different funds, determine how much as a percentage I'm supposed to save, Maybe my 401k provider provides a match, but it's this weird convoluted. We match, you know, 50 cents on the dollar for the first 3%, and then, blah, 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 and you're gone. What is all this stuff? And then there's something called minimum required distributions, and you've really been thrown into the deep end of the pool just in that alone. But most people are pretty hip to that idea by now. What are some other things that have changed? Well, one, we're living a lot longer than we were 20, 30 years ago. So when you know, Markowitz, we were talking earlier, Diane, about the 4% rule. When he came up with that rule, you know, and he's a smart guy, we won't go into his whole background, but he came up with this whole rule It was based upon a 25-year retirement uh, with you retiring at age 65. Um, I've had two appointments today where the people lived at least until 90. Not the people I met with today, but their their parents. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about you have Tons of people retiring at 62, 63, and they're living into their 90s. So we have a much longer retirement. Not only do we have a longer retirement, but we have these other things that are looming that we've talked about earlier today, like the fact that interest rates are incredibly low or that we're spending at unprecedented levels via you know stimulus packages, etc., that we have unprecedented debt levels in the United States, that we have to figure out how we're going to pay for Social Security and how are we going to pay for Medicare in the long run. So you have a lot of these unknowns that are out there with guaranteed rates of return being at all time low. So how do I make my money last longer when I have less guaranteed money and the situation looks like inflation might be more significant now that it's been over the last 30 years? There's a lot of stuff really pointing in the direction of how do I maintain my purchasing power without having to take too much risk and I don't know a lot of the variables. I, you know, the, the pension eliminated one of the variables. I know my money's coming from this place, and it's going to last the rest of my life. Where is it going to come from? What's going to happen with taxes? It looks like taxes are going to have to go up to accommodate for all this stimulus spending. But what if taxes go up by 10%? Am I going to be able to make it? I, I, don't, I don't know. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there is the short answer, Diane. And amidst all of the uncertainty, we are provided less guarantees in the way of company-sponsored plans giving them to us. So it's a it's a much more challenging environment today than it has been in a long time.
1: Yeah, and do you suggest people work as long as they can? I mean, I know that you look at it when they're sixty five, and but I mean, is it a good idea if we're living longer to just hey, think about really consider working five years more?
2: But yeah, I mean, obviously, the longer you work, the better it is. the The less strain it puts on your retirement assets, the more money you make, et cetera. But we also have to remember that many of us will be forced into retirement. Through no fault of our own, meaning uh, health concerns for ourselves or a loved one, meaning our job has been eliminated or we are, you know, absorbed in some sort of, you know, we've we've all heard of private equity or, you know, your company being merged with another company and then your position has been eliminated. Well, that's not your fault. Uh, So there are many instances I've seen stats upwards of 40 percent of the time. People retire earlier than they anticipated through no fault of their own. So you have to be, while working longer is a great solution, you have to be prepared for the event that that might not be possible. That's why planning is so important. You plan for retirement not necessarily knowing that you're going to retire at that specific date, but creating a position of financial independence so you can if you have to.
1: Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, you mentioned you are looking for a place for your mom. Uh, a lot of people are looking at downsizing, upsizing, if they, if they found out during COVID that their place was a little too small for them for them and their spouse. Real estate market is crazy. If People are lucky enough to uh, get a home under contract. Is it a good idea? Let's talk about the pros and cons of paying off the mortgage as soon as possible.
2: Yeah, this isn't, is again another rule of thumb, right? One of the old rule of thumb of the financial world is you arbitrage or you play this, sp- this spread between your interest rate on your mortgage and how much you can earn in the market. So if your mortgage rate is, you know, today they're crazy, right? If your mortgage rate is 3%, and you can over time earn 7% or 8% via investing in the stock market, et cetera, whatever it might be then i'm making i'm four percent every single year better off so i might as well get a mortgage and then on top of that you'll oftentimes hear plus i get to write off the interest that's the old rule of thumb a couple issues with that number one that was that kind of ideology was established when people were living predominantly off of pensions and a pension's going to kick out that money to you whether you need it or not and you have to pay taxes on it whether you need it or not now we have a 401k plan so shy of minimum required distributions We get to determine how much we take out of our 401k plans. But the money that we take out is, in fact, taxable. Remember 401ks, IRAs, et cetera, that's pre-tax dollars. Every nickel we pull out goes into our taxable income. So having that mortgage may kick you up into a tax bracket that you would otherwise not need to be in if you didn't have a mortgage. So if you're paying 22% on money to take it out, to turn around and make 4% on the gain because you invested it, does it make sense anymore? Maybe, maybe not, but it's not quite as simple as it's made out to be. I think large in part, not attacking my industry, but large in part, we say that because how does my industry make money? Well, by managing your money. And if you take all the money out that I'm managing to to pay off your house, I'm not managing your money anymore. But there's a happy medium in there somewhere in the way of good advice. So it can make a lot of sense to pay off your home, and it might make no sense whatsoever to pay off your home. The other piece of that puzzle that I'd mentioned was I get to write off the interest. When the standard deduction for the average married couple went up to $24,000 and interest rates dropped down to 3% and then we limited the other stuff that we could write off, it became increasingly more difficult to get the qualification for writing off the interest. Do you get to put it on your Schedule A and write it off? Yes. Does it do you any good? For most people, the answer is no. So it's, it's become much more like everything else, Diane. It's become much more obscure. The other thing is there are other pieces of the puzzle in your income world that are impacted by how much outside income you have that you might be taking for the sole purpose of paying off your house. For example, the amount that you pay on Medicare is based upon your income level. The amount that, of taxes that you pay on Social Security is based upon your outside income level. So it may actually make more sense to pay cash for the house or paid off very quickly because it reduces the amount of taxes and costs you have for other things. That's a very long-winded answer to a very short, quicker answer. And that is you have to do planning to find out which makes the most sense for you. It but just, I assure you that it makes a lot of sense once you figure
1: it out. It just would feel good to have it paid off, too. Like the psychological aspect and emotional aspect of that.
2: Yeah. The houses and, and uh, student loans, there's never been a time where I've met with a client who's paid off either one of those things that came in and said, boy, that was stupid. I mean, everybody's very, very excited about paying off both of those things. So we have to weigh it out. And sometimes, you know, it's it's close. You might be You might be $5,000 better off by taking out the mortgage, but is it worth the feeling? And if it's not, we pay it off. But I think the important takeaway here, Diane, is you don't know what to do unless you realize what the actual answer is. So in my office or in our appointments... I'll tell you what the actual answer is. And once you have the information for the actual answer, well, then at that point, you can make the decision as to what makes sense for you. But don't base it off of purely feeling. Find out, you know, is my feeling worth 50 grand or is my feeling worth five? At least know the answer first.
1: Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about annuities and the misconceptions about them.
2: Yeah, first, I would caution anybody to say that I heard enough bad stuff about annuities that there's never any way that I'll do one. And that's not to say that I'm defending a lot of the bad stuff that seems to be floating around out there about annuities. There's certainly a lot of justifiable bad press on annuities. Um, Are certain types of annuities very expensive? Absolutely. Are certain types of annuities very restrictive? Absolutely. Are certain types of annuities, uh, do they have a lot of moving parts that are very confusing? Absolutely. What are some of the good parts of annuities, though? Well, on non-qualified money, they're tax-deferred. Can that be a value for high-income earners? Absolutely. Um, Do they provide a lifetime income that in many instances can be adjusted for inflation, not at just regular inflation rates, but really supercharged like they're on steroids? Absolutely. Can they provide uh, guarantees beyond what almost any other financial investment can provide? Absolutely. Are they incredibly valuable in today's interest rate environment? Yes. So the important part here, much like everything we talk about on the show, Diane, is navigating the turbulent waters or you know navigating navigating the labyrinth that is the financial world and making sure you don't step on a landmine and there are some landmines of annuities out there that are just absolutely garbage i agree 100% but there are some really you know i own one i actually own two different types of annuities and i'll stack those up for the purpose that i'm using for them for i'll stack them up against any other investment vehicle out there and show you the reasons why i did it so I'm certainly drinking the Kool-Aid on the fact that I think there's a, there's a place for them. The important part is which one and when, and that's what my office is for.
1: And let me give you Josh's office number. It is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300 to schedule your own personalized planning session. We call it the Aptus Blueprint Process. The website is aptuswealth.com, and you can join Josh every Monday for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley, at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. And that recording you'll find at AptusWealth.com. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back.
3: 7300 or visit aptiswealth.com
0: Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300.
1: Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, Bill, and Melinda Gates getting divorced, as, as everyone's heard. Apparently, they had no prenuptial agreement. So while well, most of us don't have uh, their level of money, what, what, what can we learn from this situation?
2: Oh, you're going to make me tap dance on the minefield of prenuptial agreements. Huh?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
2: Uh, there is no more emotional topic than that of the prenup, other than maybe talking about you know, death and long-term care. Prenup is the other one that's very difficult to discuss. Uh, so here's what I'll say about prenuptial agreements. Uh, when one gets married, and I'm speaking specifically of the financial end, and first, disclosure, I'm not an attorney, but uh, I've heard, at least statistically, that 50% of all marriages end in divorce, and I certainly have a very large volume of clients that have been divorced uh, once, sometimes twice, sometimes four times, and are you know, with a current spouse or not. When you get married, it is an emotional decision that shouldn't be about money. But when you get divorced, it is an emotional decision that deals very largely around money. And if you can't have a conversation when you're deep in love about finance, imagine how difficult that conversation is going to be when you're no longer in love about finance. uh, And God forbid one party is mad at the other. It turns into a very expensive uh, litigation at the back end of this. So I recommend that everybody, and I try not to call it a prenup, but has an agreement as to the way that things will play out. God forbid this thing does not work out. And that has so many benefits. It has benefits of at least we know we're not trapped because the unknown is so scary. If, you know, this is a terrible position to be in. Um, it helps protect people who are not really uh, in tune with what's really occurring you know i've had some unfortunate scenarios where we have you know 75 year olds that get married very late in life that maybe already had the onset of uh, maybe some uh, alzheimer's or something like that and they get taken advantage of which is awful um, i almost believe that prenuptial agreement should be a requirement You know, your marriage certificate is one page your divorce decree is probably going to be a hundred and they don't tell you that when you sign the, when they sign the, the marital agreement, right? So where this all plays out uh with Bill and Melinda, hopefully it's very amicable, and they continue to do great work via their charity and 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 it seems like that's at least uh, outwardly in the media that's the way it's going to be, so good on them, but I've seen the other side of that, and I'm sure diane uh you have as well, so the goal should be. Uh, you know, kind of the facilitation of an honest discussion about finances, if nothing else, even if you decide not to get one, at least you're someone on the same page, uh, discuss what would happen if, you know, we did break up, what would we, how would the kids be handled? Uh, what are my future goals? What would the consequences be of us dissolving this marriage? Um, it's just a good conversation and a good place to start Where oftentimes marriages start, unfortunately, and I'm generalizing a lot here, and I'm hopefully tap dancing on this minefield okay, but it's a position where you're not entering into a marriage where you're both on completely pendulum opposite sides of the finance. And Diane, I'm sure you've seen people where one spouse uh, and the other spouse are not even remotely close to on the same page of finances, and it's a huge uh, issue of of conflict in their relationship, so now not only might their relationship end because they 're not on the same page, but then they don 't have a prenup, which is even worse so hopefully, if nothing else, the conversation of it gets people closer to be on the same page. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and you did, a gr- you did a great job. I think there's a stigma with prenup where women feel like it's men entering a marriage and they're protecting their money. This actually protects the women too. A lot of couples, the woman decides to put a career on hold so she can have children and be at home. And it's not, I wouldn't look at it as that stigma. It's where both parties will benefit before going into a marriage and, and it's worked out. It's not a matter of holding money from one from the other. Does that make sense? One
2: hundred percent, and I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought it up that way because I think oftentimes when we talk about prenups, we think of the old adage of, you know, uh, stay-at-home mom and husband is some you know money gr- uh, greedy guy and he's you know gonna put her in the poorhouse. You know, hear stuff like that now on the That's cheaper not necessarily
1: the cheaper to keep her plan it's not it's
2: it's not necessarily well number one I've definitely have many I've had many many women who are the wage earners so let's get over that stigma right away but number two it's a matter of for the woman if she or the man who is the lower wage earner who is making the decision that I'm going to put my career on hold it's a huge amount of protection at least you know that you will be taken care of in the event that this does not work out because it's already been line itemed out and for the other person And for the kids in general, at least I know if this doesn't work out, I still get to see my kids half the time. You know, that's a that's a huge reason. I mean, there's just so many reasons why it makes sense to at least have an idea up front. But it is rather unfortunate that we have to have conversations about the end and the beginning. But I think it it will make the middle a lot less uh, you're a lot less uh, in conflict if we already know these types of things going in.
1: You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So let's say you make it through the marriage and you're both happily headed to retirement. How often do you find that couples are not on the same page as to how they're going to spend money during retirement? So let's talk about how important that conversation is as well.
2: Yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, I know we've had this conversation several times, but in my experience, there are two types of people in the world that seem to always find one another, and that's the, it's all going to be okay, why are we worried, and the, it's never going to be okay, how can you feel that way? Uh, And they seem to find one another, Um, and I think planning is the answer, Um, and I know that I sound like a broken record when I say that, and well, isn't that self-serving, but but realistically, it is. The facts don't lie. So what, what I just described is feelings of different types of people. Some people feel like the, shoe is all, the other shoe is always going to drop. Some people feel like things are always going to be okay. Those feelings aren't necessarily justified. It's just a feeling. So through planning, hopefully we can find a common ground for both of those people. For the person who says, well, it's never going to be okay, you show the numbers and you go, you're completely and utterly wrong and for the people who say well it's always going to be okay you can look at them too and say well i appreciate your optimism but uh you have saved 10,000 dollars you want to retire next year and you want to live on 20 grand a month you are completely and utterly wrong it's not going to work out so i appreciate your optimism but uh best of luck to you you are uh living with your head in the sand so that planning conversation much like we talked about in the previous segment that that uh you know the prenup that that conversation is critical, and my job is the planner, if you will, is to ask the right questions to start the right conversation, and then steer that conversation. Uh, number one, so it doesn't get, you know, uh, so it doesn't get confrontational, but also to steer that conversation towards an outcome that is reasonable for both parties. So I find myself oftentimes uh, being somewhat of a mediator, but I think it can be a fun conversation. It doesn't have to be bad. Um, it it's certainly not me saying, you know, "Jim, shut your mouth." Let's let, you know, it's not that at all. It's not marriage counseling by any means, but it does but help you can people re- get on the same page. You
1: can recommend them to a great marriage counselor. <laughs> uh, I, 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 could, I
2: could. I don't know that I know I personally know a great one, but uh but I'm I, I'm certainly can point them to Google. Uh but you know, I think we can start to come up with a plan that works well for them. In other words, uh, certain people share a checking account. It works very, very well for them. Other people have never had the same checking accounts they 're both on quote unquote allowances with a general pool of money that pays for you know the general items like the mortgage etc and that works very, very well for them. Some people want to have you know a sailboat and go around the world and other people say, "I just want to watch television and sit my, sit on my back porch and have a cocktail. whatever that answer is, we need to find. How do we achieve that and how do we find some common ground that works? And part of that is just asking the right questions, getting everybody on the same page and being realistic about what the real outcome will be, not what you feel it's going to be and taking some of that either fear or undue uh, optimism away so that we all know that we have an ironclad plan that will actually stand the test of time.
1: Yeah. And I love that you get that conversation and their gears turning about that. Do you find some of your clients absolutely change once they're retired? Some turn into just misers and and develop a fear that their money's not going to last and they actually change personalities when it comes to Not often.
2: Not often, but but retirement can be an accentuator. So people who are already incredibly uh, penny-pinching oftentimes will become more penny-pinching. And people who are the opposite usually have a very difficult time pulling back the reins when they hit retirement. But again- promoting the value of planning, most often they're doing that because they don't know the right answer. So the optimist will just feel like, well, of course, a million dollars is a lot of money I can spend and never run out of money. And the other person is saying a million dollars is nothing. I'm going to go broke. We need to find out what the real answer is. And then you just like you did up to this point to save that million dollars or whatever your dollar amount is, you had to be disciplined. You had to live within confines. You had to stay in a budget to a reasonable degree. We have to do the same exact thing in retirement. So we just need to find out what is that reasonable budget and go from there. It should solve the problems.
1: And as soon as possible, have that conversation with your spouse about what do you see us, what do you see us doing? What do you see you doing? What do you see me doing? And have that conversation you know, five years out. Or, or what yeah. time frame should they be discussing this?
2: I think they should be discussing it their entire their entire time together. But obviously, if we're five years out, we're getting down to that crunch time. We should probably both be on the same page, and we should probably be doing a significant amount of planning to make sure that what we think is going to occur. I mean, I've I've had to. I've told people one of the great benefits of this job is I've told people, five years, you realize you could retire today. That's a great day. And they may not do it, but it's a great day. And I've had the exact opposite come true. They go, I'm retiring in five years. I'll know it'll be fine. And I look at the numbers and go, I don't know where you got that answer from, but it's not based on actual fact. So as soon as possible, find out what the actual numbers are and find out if what your dreams and hopes are, are on track.
1: And you had mentioned that you have had people in their seventies that get married. Does that happen quite a bit? Because I know one person, (laughs) if you lose a spouse, they they do say the stats show that men will remarry right away, that you guys want a a purse or a nurse. I'm kidding. Um, But how often does that happen?
2: Uh, well, well, I don't know those stats, so I can't speak to those. But uh, <laughs> you know, I've I've had the gamut, Diane. I've I've had people get married uh, all the way into their 80s. I've had people remain widows, you know, for 40 years after their spouse was tragically killed in a car wreck. I mean, it's unfortunate parts of reality. I've seen it all. Um, I've seen you know unfortunate uh, beneficiaries trying to tell. Uh, the person who's uh, alive to live cheaper so their inheritance grow. I mean, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, it's important that I get to know my clients and find out what they're trying to accomplish and then share with them what they can do through you know, really thought-provoking conversations and, and solid planning and picking the right investments.
1: Besides the weekend, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday. Happens at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. If you miss that, you can always catch that conversation on the website. It is Wealth. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. You can catch us here every weekend at the same time. And let me give you Josh's phone number one more time to schedule an appointment. 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for spending time with us today. Have a great weekend.
0: You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Or online at AptusWealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.